Graham, what's up? Hello, sir. We are breaking down the SEC East. Our final uh, preview is uh, we are in the middle of week zero, and then a full slate of game awaits us in a, about 10 or 11 days. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. I am as well. Uh, it's been a long off season. We got week zero coming up, a little late night Hawaii versus Vanderbilt on the island. I'm digging that. And yeah, ready to, you know, get, get back in the groove, I guess. Uh, yeah. So uh, you just dropped your shot, tra- tra- your top 25 on the Twitter and on mm-hmm. Dog Central. So check that People out. People are pissed. I'm going to say that should, that's sure to get some engagement. Uh, you know, uh-huh. it's, it, you know, if big game boomer can make lists that uh, you can do it better. So check it out. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I liked it. I like it. I mean, I see some some technical flaws, but like as we were talking off air, you know, this is not necessarily your playoff projection. This is just a power ranking. Of no, the team. this is just who I think would win on a neutral field. And so I don't know. I got literally like two notifications below on my Twitter screen right now. One is like Michigan is way too high. There's no way, you know, Ohio State could be number one. And then the very next person says Ohio State is way too high at number four. So, you know, it's just no one's ever going to agree, right? No, no, no. This is just your opinion. This is, this is, I mean, and it's a ed- well educated one. And I mean, like, you know, I, I you know, I, I pointed out in the comments, I didn't see any, anything but Power Five teams. So uh, I'm guessing if you don't have Car- College of Charleston, you think that anybody on that list could beat them? Yes. Okay. And College of Charleston and Cincinnati, same. Uh, Cincinnati might be an oversight. I just don't know yet. Yeah, honestly, um, we'll get a we're gonna get a good look at them. We talked about them in the SEC West. They go to Arkansas early in the season. I, I know, and I mean, like, I'm not saying. I think it's possible they could win that game. I just with everything that they lost, and them being a G5 team, and them not recruiting at like a a level like a Power Five team. I'm just going to pump the brakes on Cincinnati for a little while. All right. Let's pump the brakes on all that. Let's get into the SEC East. We're going to – we have a little bit of a plan. we got lots of notes. i got lots of notes. You've got lots of notes. But we're going to start off with, after Georgia, the teams uh, with highest win totals, which uh, judging by the Vegas books, that is Tennessee and Kentucky. Which one are you going to do first? Uh, let's let's jump into Vols. You know, let's, let's talk about UT. All right. Let's see what they got going. Hendon Hooker is arguably one of the sec- the second best quarterback in the conference, I believe. Yeah. So, um, I mean, he he's the real deal. He's he's very good. It's just, I mean, it's a question of how much of those really nice numbers are kind of a product of them like the offensive scheme that he's playing in and how often just kind of the like tricky dick stuff that they do gets a guy wide open downfield. But like, I, you know, that is, that's the offensive scheme he's playing in. So I can't hate on him. Right. No, no, exactly. Um, 
you know, and he's good. He had 30 plus touchdowns and just three interceptions last year, dude. I mean, yeah. that's efficient. And, and that's, you know, uh, and he's only gotten better. I mean, you, that's what you like about a quarterback that's been there in your system for at least a year. And it, and he and Hypo go way back. I mean, I think Hypo was recruiting him to UCF before he committed to Virginia tech. And then he transferred mm-hmm. after he graduated. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. 31, 31 touchdowns, three interceptions on, um, 300, 300 plus attempts. Cedric Tillman looks like he'll be his number one target this year. Um, I think their defense has still got to get a lot better. Yeah, I think that's a big question. But they remind me a lot of Ole Miss this time last year when everyone was like sitting around, like, you know, if their defense can be halfway decent, then they could win, you know, nine, 10 games. And Ole Miss ultimately did that. Their defense wasn't, you know, a top. 10 unit in the country by any stretch, but I think if defense, like if Tennessee's defense can play at like a top 30 level in the FBS, that they're, they're going to win a lot of games. Um, I do think, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to say that Tennessee is like, they're not going to contend for the division. And a lot of that is just a product of them having to play Alabama and Georgia every single year. Um, But I like what they bring back on offense. Uh, you know, I think they they've got plenty of weapons. They did a lot of nice stuff in the transfer portal. On the defensive side of the ball, like linebacker they, core is a question mark. Yeah. Um, when you look at their per play stats, like they were, you know, scoring defense, they were 57th in the country, and per play stats, they were 52nd. Now, when you looked at just where they ranked in the raw rankings, it was 89th and 98th, but they run so many plays that when you adjust for pace, it changes things a little bit. And so, you know, I I don't know, like that unit could still just be, they could still leak like a sieve and, you know, get into another game where they give up like 50 points to Kentucky. But I'm kind of inclined to think that the offense is going to take a little bit of a step back and the defense is going to take a little bit of a step up. Um, yeah. I was looking at some of their, their linebacker cores. I was talking about banks and Beasley are some of the, their two top returning tacklers. But if you look at them, they were picked on uh, and had uh, 68 targets uh, and banks allowed 7.8 yards per catch and Beasley 11.1. So they're picking over those guys on the middle and those are, both 70, probably on average, probably 75% completion percentage for, against those guys. So those guys got to step up. And so, yeah. I mean, to your point, you know, you, you can see that they're, they're off the defense getting better this year. So if you look, if you see if those guys improve, that's a good sign for them. I actually think their offense is probably going to be even better. It's year two of Hypo. I mean, I don't, I don't see significantly better, but I think they're, I mean, it depends on what you're calling a true regression. Sure. I mean, like, I just don't think well, I think they're going to put up comparable stats to last year. I don't think don't I don't think they're going to take a huge step back. But you know, year two with a veteran quarterback, I can see them uh, duplicating a lot of that offense. I mean, I guess the thing I would say to remember is that when you ju- when you adjust for pace, and you know the pace that they played at was really fast. But when you go opponent adjusted and pace adjusted, their their hyper tempo offense. It, it comes down – I mean, they were fourth in power five in offense behind Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. So, I don't know that there's that much room for them to improve, I guess, is is my thought on, on it. I also think that the scheme they ran 
is very, very kind of dependent on like catching you with your pants around your ankles and, you know, finding a couple plays a game where a, a cornerback is just not lined up yet, or he's still looking at the sideline for a signal and bombing it over his head. So I think that defensive coordinators are going to adjust to that. Like, I think if Hypel doesn't variate his offense in some way and add some new looks and, and do some different things to it that they could get in trouble. But Hypel has been doing this long enough that I think he knows that like he's ran this offense at Missouri and central Florida now at Tennessee. Uh, so I think he will do that, but I don't know if you're going to have as many just like wide open, you know, just a receiver streaking down the sideline by 10, 15 yards as you did last year. Like, like think about the Georgia Tennessee game last year where those guys, the first couple drives, I mean, Georgia just looked absolutely lost. And then it was like, okay, now we know what we're playing against and they basically shut them down for the rest of the game. So I don't know that you have that adjustment period, I guess, for, for everybody in every game like you did in 2020. One. Yeah, a couple names that I that jumped out at me. The Tyler Barron, who played as a true freshman last year, um, and he was really good, 72 PFF and uh, 430 snaps. You can expect him to improve a, a bunch. If, um, and then, you know, the guy you're not – you may not hear about as a Georgia fan or as Jabari Small, solid SEC running back. Um, mm-hmm. Again, one or more of those offensive weapons. Looking at the schedule and the over-under, they're at seven and a half um seven and a half wins i let's see what i wrote down here i think they've got it they got to win they've got like a handful of toss-up games basically it's like the sec east obviously is going to be decided you know if you're willing to believe like i am that georgia's the number one team you got the kentucky tennessee uh i guess south carolina kind of round robin and which team you think is the best there um they get uh they got to go they get Kentucky at home. They got to go to South Carolina and, um, and that South Carolina game's late in the year. So um, I'm leaning towards Tennessee winning both of those games, which I think puts them the number two team. That's kind of where I'm at too, man. Um, That's right. I mean, one thing to watch for is Hendon Hooker's uh, pass chart on PFF. Like it's, it's a lot of blue in the middle of the field. Like, if he's not throwing to the sidelines, he's not that accurate. And we were just talking about how that system created all these open throws on the boundaries last year. But, like, if if you can play press coverage against Tennessee's receivers and, you know, not give up that kind of leverage to the outside and sort of force them into trying to run more quick game and stuff, he becomes a less accurate quarterback. Um he does a good job protecting the ball. We know that. But, yeah, I, I think, like, when you get into Georgia and Alabama, I don't think they're ready to compete quite yet. I don't think they have what you need on the line of scrimmage, particularly on the defensive line of scrimmage. But I think that they will beat Kentucky and South Carolina, and I think that I think they're going to beat Florida. Like, I think that they will – let me pull up their schedule here. I mean, that Pittsburgh game in week two – on the road is interesting. They lost to them last year in a close shootout kind of game. But, uh, I mean, I think they're going to win nine games. Yeah. I've got, you've got, I've got six wins, ball state, Akron, UT Martin, Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. 
that's six wins right there. You only need, and they got to go two and two with uh, two road games at Pittsburgh and LSU, and uh, they get Florida and Kentucky at home. Yeah. So two. I don't and two. think they'll beat LSU on the road. That was yeah, yeah. All right, and then yeah. So then they've got if they don't go win both the games at home versus Florida and Kentucky, then they got to upset that. You know, they got then they got that Pittsburgh game. So I mean, um, I, I like the over here. You know, eight or nine wins, I think, is is definitely yeah. doable. I'm with you. I'm I'm I actually think it's one of the the better win total spots in the in the SEC. All right. Well, a lot of people are talking up Kentucky. They're the second uh, or the third highest win total in the SEC, and um, there are a lot of dar- media darlings with Will Levis as being one of the top five quarterbacks on the board coming out next year transfer from Penn yep. State um yep. go ahead take the floor you sound like you got some thoughts no I mean I just I don't buy the Will Levis hype man I don't um I think you can buy yeah. the hype as an NFL prospect and not necessarily think he's going to be a Heisman finalist and win 10 games I agree with that I agree for sure um they're gonna they allowed 21 points a game last year I think they're they're gonna give up some more on that and the only scored is is you know 32 a game that's pretty low for a 10 win 10 win team last year um so i i expect those numbers to shrink up and that when they start to shrink up and you're talking 30 offensive points per game and you know 22 23 that, that can turn a you know potential nine and three uh to a seven and <laughs> seven and five real quick yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the big concern I have for Levis is that uh, Wandale Robinson and Josh Ali, two very good receivers, they're both in the NFL now. That was 57.9% of his targets in 2021 and 69.1% of his 20 plus, one, 20 plus yard targets. And a lot of what they did last year was like, you know, they run that kind of the, the Rams stuff, you know, uh, they keep hiring offensive coordinators from the LA Rams and Sean McVay, but like, it's a lot of, uh, you know, run game and then play action, bomb it down the field. The, the thing that Levis got better on, like he did get better at this as the season went on, but he did have a tendency at times to like, whenever a deep shot was called, he was throwing it no matter what, even if there was double coverage. And so that's kind of my, my issue with him, I guess. Um, you think about that Georgia game last year. If Wandale Robinson wasn't on the field for them, like, I don't know how Kentucky really moves the ball. You know, I mean, I think he had like 14 or 16 touches in that game. Lots of screen passes. Will Levis's A dot that day was like four point something yards, if I recall correctly. Um, I think that maybe even the bigger problem for them is they they lose Luke Fortner and Darian Kennard, which – Kennard and Fortner were the SEC's first and fourth graded run blockers in 2021 and first and fifth graded pass blockers. And so all of a sudden this guy doesn't have very much time. I know he has good feet, but it's just, you don't have very much time. You don't, you lose the two receivers that you had that could get separation. Maybe somebody steps up and yeah. then Chris, Chris Rodriguez is out for a month. Yeah. Tavion Robinson looks to be the guy that's going to step up. Uh, He had a bunch of targets last year and a bunch of catches, but 
that's like you said, you know, as a second or third, when you got Wandale Robinson opening up holes for you, he's going to draw the tighter and better coverage this year. So um, if he doesn't do well, then they've got to find somebody else. Yeah. And that look at that schedule. Um, so they got to go, they got to go to Florida without Rodriguez. That's huge. That's a big deal. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's like enough to maybe swing that game in Florida's direction. Yeah, and again, I mean, the net yards per play from last year, 0.9, uh, is, is not – is that's pretty average. Again, I think they overachieved last year. Seven and a half wins is a good good number. Um, let me see. I've got – I've got six wins on the books pretty easily. Um, Miami of Ohio, Youngstown, Northern Illinois, South Carolina. Who do you have in that – they get South Carolina at home. Do you, uh, who do you like in that game? I'm getting, I've got that down as a win. I'll finish up when you can think. And then I've okay. got at, at Missouri uh, a win, Vanderbilt a win, and then you've got the toss-up games at Florida, at Ole Miss. No, at, at Ole Miss is a loss. At Mississippi State. No, Mississippi State at home. So Florida, Mississippi State, and then Tennessee I've got as a loss, and then the Louisville game. So they've got to win. They've got to they got to upset somebody on the road. I feel like they got three big road games: Tennessee, Florida, Ole Miss. And they got Louisville at home. So if you got six wins, they got to go two and two in those games to break that over. It's well, tough. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think the, the one thing I'll say before I kind of give, give the schedule prediction is like their defense last year. Uh, and this is, I want to shout out Brett Sianca at pick six previews. Uh, he sent me a copy of his preview magazine this year and it's been extremely helpful with betting win totals in these preview shows and there's a lot of data in there that you do not find anywhere else but uh so their yards per play yards per carry this is on defense yards per play allowed yards per carry allowed and passing yards per attempt allowed were all outside the top 40 in 2021 and then they were 108th in red zone defense and they only generated 12 turnovers, which is seventh worst in power five. So like his opponent adjusted per play percentiles had them at 46 out of 66 power five programs, 12th in the SEC. Uh, then they lose Josh Pascal, Mark McCall, Yusef Corker, and Devontae Robinson. I just, I don't, like that's, I don't think the, I think the offense regresses you know, I think it's going to be hard for the defense to take a step forward. So I'm going to say they lose, you know, they win three of those first four. They lose at Florida on the road. Uh, I think they lose at Ole Miss. I'm going to take South Carolina and Mississippi state to beat them. Ooh. Like I, yeah. I think they start three and three and I think they lose to Tennessee. I think they beat Missouri and Vanderbilt. I think they're like a six and six team this year. Maybe seven and five. Yeah, I'm just, I like Louisville. Yeah, but. I mean that you know I laid out with six wins. I mean that's if you don't have an injury or slip up. You know South Carolina. You know and yeah, with that kind of regression, you know any of those teams could be you know Missouri at, or you know at Missouri could be tough. Um, they do get Tennessee. Go to Tennessee after their bye. So. Uh, I'm probably not betting this. The un, the under is plus money, plus 105. I'm hammering it. I'm hammering it. All right. You said they're seven and a half? 
Seven and a half win, yeah. I checked oh, it again. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I checked I checked the FanDuel win uh win total. The only one that moved was one of the teams and this I got it written down. Six it went from six and a half to six, maybe to Missouri or something. Uh okay. So we like the um we like the, we under, like the under. Yeah. Yeah. So uh all right. So next on our list, the Florida Gators. Da-na-na-na-na-na. We have thoughts on the Florida Gators. Lots and lots of thoughts. We have thoughts and hats and bumper stickers and all kind of shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we have a whole brand on the Florida Gators. Uh, <laughs> Not kick just it off. Um, yeah. Okay. So they've got one of the probably one of the bigger games. Um, that opening weekend, Pac-12 champions come to the, the swamp at night on uh, opening weekend. It's going to be a fun game. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. It's the nightcap. I believe it'll be Ohio State, Notre Dame, Georgia, Oregon, and then these guys I think is what will probably be the biggest draws. Um, Yeah, you know, they allowed 30 points a game last year. Um, That's not good. (laughs) Um, That's not good. I'm sorry, that was 2020. No, 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 that's oh, 2020. Okay. And then last year they allowed 27 points a game. Uh, well, but the offense they give up, they gave up what, like 50 something to an FCS team at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think their defense is going to get better. Yeah, it has to. Yes, it has to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and they've been they've they've always scored points. They've they've scored 30 plus a game the last few years. And if you look at this, my little metric sheet here. Uh, they were net 1.1 yards per play with a pretty dang, you know, what is that, 47, almost 47% success rate and 6.6 yards per play. If they can hold on to that and they can improve that defense, this could be, you know, a good campaign for them. Um, and then, you know, you've got uh, Gervon Dexter and Britton Cox will be anchoring that defense, a young guy and an old guy. Um, and I think Dexter is good. <laughs> He's Dexter's really good. Really good. Yeah, yeah, he's very good. Um, I mean, and Cox is good. I mean, we've certainly picked on him um, as a team and as a fan base um, for obvious reasons, and he's given us reasons to, but he's 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 graded out pretty well, and I think he's probably going to be a NFL player, especially if he can mature a little bit and keep focus on the game. Yeah, no, he's a talented football player. Uh, I think last year, you know, he was dealing with that foot surgery before the season and so i don't know if that you know his conditioning maybe just wasn't the best at certain times or whatever but um yeah i i think like some of the stuff for cox is just kind of between the ears in terms of you know is he relentless every single down we shall see probably a new staff is a good thing for him maybe kind of reinvigorates um I yeah, I'm with you. I think the defense is gonna be better. I just you know, the the secondary is a little bit of a question, right? Like they've got those safety trio, like Trey Dean, Rashad Torrance, Trevez Johnson come back. Um the print uh Umo they got Jalen Kimber now, who's yeah. a Georgia transfer at D B. Umilinian and and Torrance played as freshmen and played a lot and they graded out really well, so there's potential for even more growth this year. Um, but sometimes, you know, that second year, you play in different spots, different roles. You don't necessarily perform significantly better, but if they do, they'd be good. And then um, John, Jason Marshall Jr. is at cornerback that played a lot of snaps last year and played pretty well. 
Um, a lot of Florida fans are coming saying that he was better than Keeley, but Kelly, but I'm not buying that. Mm. But, but statistically, he did really well, and he's going to have another good year. Or you know, he's going to be. I think he's going to be better. He allowed a 36 percent um, completion percentage and a 4.9 uh, yards per target. That's pretty solid. That is solid. That's very solid. Yeah, and I think it's good for Napier brought Patrick Tony with him from uh, Lafayette, Louisiana Lafayette. Like, they were top 10 in scoring defense last year. He's a good defensive coordinator. I think kind of the identity of those Louisiana Lafayette teams was defense first, uh, kind of control the game in a lot of ways, run the football. I guess my thing with Florida is – or I guess my question about Billy Napier is like when he was in the Sun Belt at ULL, uh, I, he kind of like put them in, you know, kind of like a microwave Alabama type situation where they invested in a ton of person, you know, personnel people and facilities like their facilities were maybe best in G five recruiting wise, you know, they were recruiting up in the like fifties, nationally uh which is very high for a sunbelt team like the talent gap between ull and all the other teams in the sunbelt was huge um but they they managed to play in like all these close games that really shouldn't have been close and nobody in their division was bowl eligible i think the last two years so it's a little bit of a question of like what's reality here my fear for florida is I think they will struggle on offense until Napier gives up the reins and hires an offensive coordinator. I don't think he's a good offensive coordinator. You go back to Clemson, they fired him as an offensive coordinator. There wasn't a market for him as an offensive coordinator. That's how he became wide receivers coach at Alabama and Arizona state. Um, Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little curious as to what that's going to look like. I think my concern is at, Louisiana Lafayette, when you had more talent than anyone in the conference, you kind of ran a system that like decreased those talent advantages instead of taking advantage of them. Um, I think this team, it's really like when you look at the offense, it's going to go as far as Anthony Richardson can take them. Um, the, the receivers are very thin. Uh, you got Justin Shorter who they need to play like a five-star but he kind of hasn't yet. Um, I mean, what do you what do you see on the offensive side of the ball? With well, the players he, he, yeah, I mean, their offensive line has always has been thin for a bunch of years. They brought in Osiris Torrance from with came over with Napier, and he's actually probably one of the better players they have offensively. Um, he's a top five NFL prospect at guard. Um, yeah, like you said. Um, you know, they've got good defensive players that have produced. I just don't know. And, you know, exactly. Shorter is going to be – has to be the guy this year. They were – they actually, the last two years, I mean, the, uh, the players they've lost on offense has not been replaced with comparable players. Um, so, I, I think they're going to have a hard time being as good offensively. I do think they'll be improved, I don't know about dramatically, but significantly um, on the defensive side. And, and a, a, a good improvement on defense could be two more wins. And, you know, yeah. And um, I, so, you know, I, I think we, I, I mean, I don't, I, it's hard for me to say things nice about the Gators. <laughs> so, I, but I'm not trying to be a total, 
total like hater on them either. But um, um, so I think they're going to be better this year. I think they could challenge. I mean, it depends on you know. I, I've got them, and we talked about it last week on Twitter that Utah game. I'm going to bring up the schedule here. I like them in that game. Um, I just yeah. you know, I think that a night game even i mean it kicks off at seven that's gonna be significant heat for a utah team you cannot simulate that um in in utah so i i it if they're conditioned well and they have some depth and some players that can fill in and save i can see them wearing down and and if they stay competitive early in that game getting that upset um at home and kicking it off Hmm. so uh i don't like them they've got a tough schedule i don't like them the rest of the year but i kind of like this over a little bit you know and what do you have them at seven, seven, six and a half? Okay. Seven straight up. The over is minus one thirty. Um, and I've got yeah, I've got Utah as a win. I wrote that down as a win. South Florida's a win, eastern Washington, Missouri's a win, and then Vanderbilt's a win. So that's okay. And then I've got the toss up games is Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, South Carolina, Florida State. That's a lot of toss up games. You know, that that's gonna change. There's a lot of toss up games. Um, so, I mean, like Florida state, they'll probably be favored in that one. They will, they, they've got South Carolina at home. So they will be favored in that one. They're going to be underdog Tennessee, that home Kentucky game will be interesting. If they get that win in Utah, you got to feel pretty good about a Kentucky team that you just kind of, um, expose some of their weaknesses and some of their flaws and, and week two at the swamp could be, could be a, uh, it could be three and O going in that Tennessee game. Gotcha. All right. That's a different outlook than I have. That's okay. I, um, I mean, I think – I'm sorry, Jeff. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I think what like we were just talking about, like Anthony Richardson, this team's going to go as far as he can take them, right? Um, in 2021, six touchdowns, five interception, 43% completion on throws over 10 yards, 31% completion on throws over 20 yards. And everyone talks about the rushing ability, but when he wasn't playing against Florida Atlantic and South Florida, 3.68 yards per carry against power five teams in 2021. Uh, Maybe he becomes a star, but there are no statistical indicators to tell me that he's going to become a star. No, it's, it's height and speed. And you know, sort of the look of a and, of a good a, quarterback, a huge arm that he hasn't shown he can be accurate with. So, I think they lose to Utah. I think an underrated part as someone that lives at what's my watch say five thousand eight hundred and fifteen feet above sea level. I will say, when you live at altitude and you come down to sea level or a couple thousand feet above sea level, you feel fantastic you can go and do whatever you want from an exercise standpoint and you have you know the you just don't tire out like you normally do uh it feels like you you can do everything like plus 50 percent. so now we're getting scientific i like it you know it's gonna (laughs) offset the humidity that i just it might it might i'm not even i'm not even bsing i think think no i know If they were playing at like noon or three thirty, I would have a little more fear for them in that game. I, I don't disagree; it'll be hot, but you know, they'll be getting IVs on the sidelines and all that type of stuff. They'll 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 be all right. I just I don't think that Florida. I think Utah is going to kind of maybe push them around up front a little bit. 
Um, but I could be wrong because Florida is an SEC program and Utah is not. But I, you know, I, I like Utah a lot. I think they're very good. Uh, I think they beat. I think Florida loses to Utah, beats Kentucky, beats South Florida, starts two and one, loses to Tennessee, uh, beats Eastern Washington. That Missouri game is kind of interesting. Um, nah, they're gonna take care of Missouri at home. I think they lose to LSU. Like this, this, I mean, the back end of that schedule is kind of sneaky tough, having to go to Texas A and M. Yeah, I've got that as a loss. Yeah, they got at Florida State, which I just don't really know where they're going to be. Um, what about the South Carolina at home? Oh, God. I'm going to pick South Carolina. Okay. So you're taking the under there then. If you've got I mean, lost- I, I think they're a seven, six, seven win team. Um, I mean, I think, like, I, I guess I would say I think that they will lose – one of Missouri and South Carolina. Um, I, I don't know. I think Missouri kind of just has Florida's number. That's a game they tend to get up for, for whatever reason. Uh, let's call well, – let me count my losses here. You've got uh, Tennessee. I got them six and six, man. Six. LSU. Maybe seven and five if things go well. Okay. I think they lose to Utah, Tennessee, LSU, Georgia, A&M. And I think they probably go two and one in that stretch of Missouri, South Carolina, Florida State. But I think asking them to win, you know, all three of those games or – I mean, they got to win all three of those games to get to seven and five, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I've got that Utah upset as sort of – that swings a lot. Yeah. yeah, it swings a lot. So you've got that as a, a loss. And I mean, it could be. I mean, it's. I'm not. I'm not betting it. <laughs> I'm just. It's my opinion on it. Um, I think that. I think they got enough offense there that they they can. You know. And again, I just. They, I think they. You're gonna have a scripted set of offensive plays for him, uh, to start that season. And I think he can do that. I think he can execute there. But we'll see. It's we we'll be watching live. We'll probably, we will. I will be driving home from the game. I'll be listening live. There you go. Who's next? South Carolina. South Carolina. Oh, God. All right. Six. No, they got seven and a half projected wins. Wow. We skipped yeah. them. Sorry, South Carolina. Sorry, we jumped them. So, Florida is, is fourth by win total in the SEC East. Yep. So, uh, yeah, Spencer Rattler – um, and everyone is talking up this early matchup with Georgia as a potential upset alert. Let's not get too out of it. I mean, I think they. I'm just saying what people are saying. Full going to Arkansas week two. Yeah. Uh, people say lots of dumb shit on the internet, Josh. Don't pay attention to them. I, I say dumb shit on the internet daily. Well, but I'm you're. Just, I, 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 I this game doesn't scare me, honestly. Uh, I think the defense has underperformed the last few years. Is Jordan Birch finally going to play like what we thought he was? Like a five-star, yeah. number one overall player, maybe. Um, yeah, he actually regressed regressed quite a bit from an 86 PFF grade in 2020 to 68 last year, only 10 pressures on 30, 300-plus um, snaps. Um, 
I'm sorry, that was not Kentucky. The South Carolina was not seven and a half. They're six and a half current. They moved okay. up a half a game. Um, that, this is the one that I adjusted from FanDuel. FanDuel has them at six and a half today. Um, they got some, some good – they're, they're tight end U Jr., Jaheim Bell and Austin Starner, who came over from uh, Oklahoma with Rattler. Um, Rattler was 1,400 yards last year, 11 TDs, five picks before he was benched for Caleb Williams. I've got him 4,500 career yards and 40 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. So um, that was quite a fall off from his first couple of years to last year. So which Spencer Rattler are we going to see? Yeah. Yeah. Um, who else we got here? Uh, yeah. I Cam, mean, Cam Smith is a first team all SEC safety. Yep. We like him. He's, a, he's, he's good. Um, I like Jaheim Bell a lot, the tight end. Uh, I mean, as far as athletically, like he actually had a higher, he was first among all tight ends in yards per route run in 2021, uh, 3.67 yards per route run. Um, edging out Bowers by what? Yeah. I mean, he only ran, he only had 41 total targets. Uh, so, I mean, I think like they talk about using him, like he had a against UNC, he had a twenty yard gain on a counter handoff. Like he's a freak athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean that's that's an interesting weapon. They add Austin Stogner, so they they probably have the second best tight end room in the SEC. Uh, I Josh really Van know coming back. A, yeah, Josh Van's a good receiver. He's a very good receiver. Um, I think. Yeah, like it's just. I think you said it pretty well earlier. Do you get good Spencer Rattler or bad Spencer Rattler? I think the thing with South Carolina is despite all the positivity and the happiness, they were on offense last year, they were 103rd EPA per pass rank and 108th EPA per run rank. So that offense was hot garbage, (laughs) but they had really good turnover luck. They played some teams that had quit at the end of the season and you know, they got some good bounces and, you know, you create your luck to a certain extent. I'm not trying to dog South Carolina, but like this talk of South Carolina, like being ascendant in a major way is premature in my opinion. Well, you know, they, their hot garbage offense is undeniable, but their quarterback situation was pretty It bad. was hot garbage as well. Yeah. yeah. So they've got, they've got their quarterback and, and, but they still don't have anything behind him. Should he get, you know, uh, an injury short-term or long-term. So this, it feels pretty dicey living on the edge, if you will, on, I believe the kind of game that Spencer Rattler is going to have to play for them to have this big year that they they're hoping for. Um, they got to show dramatic improvement uh, and they can't. Um, the defense still is questionable. Um, yeah. He gave up almost six yards of play last year. It's not, not great. <laughs> Um, so they gave up a lot of big plays and, you know, you see that in that, um, offensive defensive EPA allowed. Um, so yeah. I got them seven and five. Oh, you got the over there, huh? What are they? Six and a half. They are six and a half. Yeah. So, I mean, they'll beat Georgia state to open the season. I think they lose to Arkansas and Georgia in consecutive weeks. Then they beat Charlotte and South mm-hmm. Carolina state. So they're mm-hmm. three and two. Mm-hmm. I, I like them. At, I like them at Kentucky. So I think they okay. get, you know, they get to the bye week four and two. 
I think they lose to Texas A&M mm-hmm. at home. I think they beat Missouri. That puts them at five and three. Beat Vanderbilt. They're six and three. Beat Florida. They're seven and three. And then they lose to Tennessee and Clemson. They go seven and five. Yeah, that's what I had. I had five wins in the UK and Florida. Are their um, Kentucky and Florida? Kind of their coin flip games. Um, and yeah. they're both. And they're both on the road. So you uh, yeah, get, that doesn't hurt. That doesn't help. Yeah, you. So you've got them going one and ones against those two teams. I uh, I probably don't bet this. I can see them losing both of those games. I would um, agree. And I, mean, I don't uh, feel. I, but do they have an upset in them? You know, they, and then also they got to beat everybody they're supposed to. So do they have an upset? You know, in Arkansas right. or you know the Georgia win the Georgia upset everybody's talking about, or the other one would right. be or A and M or Tennessee. I you know I. I think, yeah. our, I think Arkansas is going to eat them up. I think, like they're they're going to play hard for Beamer. That we know, you know. I mean, they they like Beamer. He's you can tell by their recruiting that the kids that are on the team right now like him because when kids come to visit and commit shortly afterwards, it means you know you can't fake that everyone's happy. So, I. Yeah, I mean, my big question on them is, like, their offensive line plays 96th nationally in in run push and 100th in pass protection sack rate. So, I don't think they have – like, they don't have that big boy kind of line of scrimmage DNA yet that you have to have to to go and win a bunch of games in the SEC in most cases. Um yeah, so I mean, I think seven and five, six and six feels about right. But I do think they are gonna they're gonna pull an upset on somebody. I don't think it's gonna be Georgia, but I do think it could be Clemson at the end of the year. Ooh, that'd be good. That'd be interesting. I mean, I don't know. Clemson might still just have too much on the defensive line for them. Actually, that's probably more the case. But um, I don't know. Maybe Texas A and M at home. I could see that. Mm-hmm. That could be. It's a lot of maroon, garnet versus maroon, um, which are actually the same color, but that's okay. Yeah, Arkansas and Georgia back-to-back weeks kind of is going to set the set the stage for them. It's done, you know, like I don't think they've got to win. You know, I think their season falls apart, like you talked about. Beamer's got them playing hard, so even if they come out of that stretch one and two, I think they're going to continue to improve. And I think Rattler. I mean, like, I don't know, Rattler, I don't, you know, you hear some things, you know, that he's probably not the, the best teammate in the world, but, you know, I think his is his last chance to prove what he can do, so. Yeah, I think the change of walls has been good for him. I mean, that's what everyone's saying, at least, like, everyone's saying the right things about him being a leader and a good teammate at South Carolina, so we'll see if that, you know, when he's getting sacked four to six times a game behind that, really bad offensive line and things aren't going well and they're seven and five, six and six. Do we get some ESPN camera shots of him yelling at somebody on the sideline? Maybe, I don't know, but maybe not, you know, I mean, Beamer knows the kid. Well, like Beamer recruited him to Oklahoma. So I think if he was like a, a real character risk, they wouldn't have brought him. In. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think he's a character risk. I mean, he's just, you know, he's, we forget how young and these kids are and, you know, they got yeah. stuff going on. So um, he was the most unlikable quarterback. In the entire QB one beyond the lights run on Netflix, him and Tate Martell, close, close <laughs> battle. 
Okay, I'm, I'm not betting it. There's too many. It's a volatile team, volatile schedule. I don't, I don't see, I don't see them. I'd be really hard pressed to get to eight and uh, to eight wins, and that's just doesn't leave much. They're room. not getting the. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're it's they're not getting to eight, so that's a half win you're 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 betting on. So uh, that six and a half six and a half moving is interesting. Um, they moved up half a game, so uh, from earlier in the when we started putting these graphics together. So that's interesting that somebody in Vegas is picking an yeah. upset there, like they are. All right, Missouri, Oops. Missouri. Um, yeah, dude. Not one single returning seventy grade <laughs> PFF guy on offense. Uh, on skill position. Okay. Um, okay, that's better. That sounds yeah. better. Yeah. Um, so they've got some the. Abrams drain kids, you know. Huh? Yeah, the cornerback. Uh, yeah, what? He's uh, a Abrams drain. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. He's a, a potential, you know, SEC player, all SEC player, second or first team. Um. So, but yeah, there's not a lot going on here. They've got they they lost uh, Connor Bazelak to the portal. Where did he go? Brady Indiana. Cook's the starter. Yeah, where did he go? Indiana. Yeah, I think that's right. He went to Indiana. And Cooks got in there late in the season, but he only got 50 snaps. He's not going to have Chisholm. Or... Well, they they named him the starter. Yeah, yeah. Over over the transfer kid from Southern Miss, Jack uh, Abraham. Yeah, and Tusky Dove, who was a pretty exciting player, but again, he's going to have to step up to wide receiver one. So, uh, nope, no Luther Burden is the guy that will have to do that. that Five star kid that they. Oh yeah, true freshman Burden. Burden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess, oh. yeah, I went and dug back and got stats. I didn't get the the guys. Luther no, Burden. I know. I mean, he was the number three recruit in the entire nation. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember him. And that's a that's a good thing. He stayed home. I think that's good for college football as a whole. And I mean, we wanted him. I mean, I think he's going to have a good year at Missouri and transfer. That's what I think is going to happen. I think somebody's going to come in and be like, "Hey, here's four million dollars, or something along those lines." We'll see, though. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Missouri is the one that gives them four million dollars, or maybe they already did. Who knows? I don't <laughs> Who knows? Um, but like he did some nice things in the spring game, but it's like you're asking the dude to, you know, he's he's five eleven, two hundred ten pounds. He has good ball skills, but like, it's not like he's like some like he's not like a George Pickens type dude where it's just like, oh, here's a guy that's bigger and faster than basically everybody he's gonna play against, right? Like. And every, you know, I think defenses are going to be designed to stop him. Being a true freshman and coming in and immediately having to match up on the number one DB from every team kind of sucks. Like, I don't know. As much as I want to be positive about Missouri, because I kind of like Drinkowitz, and you know, there's just sort of something about them that you want them to do a little bit better. I just. I struggle to find, you know, looking at like the data, it's like, well, where, where do the wins come from? Yeah. It's a kind of a tough beginning of the schedule. I mean, losing a tech obviously at home should be a win, but then they go to Kansas state. They got an easy game at Abilene Christian, but then it's at Auburn, then Georgia at Florida. That's tough. Mm -hmm. That's tough before the bye. Those are two, you know, I don't think those games are winnable on the road for this team. Uh, I don't think either. I think they if they they could easily lose all three of their first road matches with Kansas State, Auburn, and and Florida. Yeah, uh, I agree. So where exactly where do the wins come? They need a big upset to get to six. 
a big one. Well, their their defense was good. Like, I mean, they really gave Georgia a lot of problems in the interior line last year in that game. Like, Georgia could not run the ball up the middle against them to save their lives. So, I think the defensive front will be pretty okay. I just uh, – I mean, yeah, I'm with you. It's like they should beat Louisiana Tech, lose to Kansas State, beat Abilene Christian, obviously, you know, lose to Auburn, Georgia, Florida. Yeah, I mean, it's like all of a sudden they're they're two and three. They beat Vanderbilt, I'm assuming. That's three and three. Lose to South Carolina, that's three and four. Lose to Kentucky, that's three and five. Lose to Tennessee, that's three and six. Beat New Mexico State, that's I missed a game somewhere in here. Never mind. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I think that it's going to be tough to get to, to six wins. I think, like, I think what you said is right. They need to pull a game somewhere, like an upset somewhere, to get to six. Yeah, the only the only upset I see potentially is is maybe at Auburn. But you know, if Auburn's in disarray, but you like Auburn more than 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 I do this year, so I do. I think uh, that Auburn, if they're going to be in disarray, it won't be by September 24th yeah, when they play them that early in the season. Yeah, I'm not touching this. I mean, no, actually, I'd probably, if you gave me some money, I'd probably put it on the under. It's, um, it's you got to lay some juice. It's minus 140. The over is getting mm-hmm. you plus 120, but I don't like it. I'm not, not playing that. Not playing the over on that. And Vandy, everyone's favorite team to play and to visit. <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna, uh, dude. I'm gonna go ahead and lay it down here. Over under win totals two and a half. I think it hits before the end of September. Oh, they beat Hawaii. They beat Elon. They go on the road and beat Northern Illinois after losing to Wake Forest in Week Three, and then they don't win a game the rest of the year. But they go three and nine. Three and nine over caches. Over cash is early. It's about all not, the analysis that I'm going to put into this. So you're not going to do an alt line there. Not alt. You could probably get some money at four. I might alt line bet them against Hawaii this weekend. Actually, I need to look at what's out there. Um, I just wanted to point this out. Yes. At Alabama, they go. At, let's just say, let's. You're you're giving that Northern Illinois a win, but okay, that's, I think it's, that's a, it's gonna be it's gonna be a dog fight for him. But I think well, we'll pull it out. I think he's a good. You know, Beamer's a, he got his kids playing hard. I think you know you Clark Lee, Clark. No, but in South Carolina. But I'm saying, if you believe that Beamer can get those guys playing hard, maybe Clark Lee can get these guys playing hard, and um, he knows that Northern Illinois is a big game. So you don't just come into. Where's Northern Illinois? It's not Champaign, is it? It's no, that's that's the one. You don't just roll into. You know, but look after that game at Alabama, yeah, Ole Miss at home at Georgia. That's so. What do, think, what do you think? The point differ- what do you think the point difference? What do you think the point differential? What do you think the point differential for those three games at Alabama, Ole Miss at Georgia can be? I mean, eighty. Oh. If they kept it within eighty point differential, that would be. A- oh, that'd be phenomenal. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it could be 120 easy. It could be, yeah, I was going to say like 150. <laughs> it's in DeKalb, where is where Northern Illinois is. Yeah, uh, you don't just roll up into DeKalb, Illinois on a probably what, like a Wednesday night? They've scored only 25 points a game once in seven years. 
last yeah, year. They're bad, dude. Yeah, they're very bad. 15 and 16 of a game on offense the last two years and giving up 37 and 36. So, <laughs> yeah. Don't... I mean, they also, you know, to add insult to injury, like the best player on their team was that right tackle or left tackle, Tyler Steen. And then he transfers to Alabama. And they gotta go. They gotta go to Tuscaloosa for the Tyler Steen revenge game. It's just they're not. I mean, like they're yeah. Like I said, there's there's really not much uh, analysis to put into it. They're just they're not good. But I think they'll be better than they were last year. I think that they will. You know, be able you, to. You stuck a flag on the video last year, if I remember right. No. 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 <laughs> I had them. I had them two and ten last year. Yeah, the two and ten. Right, maybe it was South Carolina. I stuck a flag on Tennessee being yeah. bowl eligible, and everyone called me an idiot. And then they were bowl eligible. Suck it, Marler. That was when he was on the t- the show. Remember? I don't remember. Tennessee was gonna go to the uh, bowl yeah. game, and you guys laughed at me. Who's laughing now? This guy. Uh, All right, let's talk about the dogs. You stuck around this long, stick around with us some more. We're going to do a lot of dog talk, obviously, but we're going to give you the season preview right here. Over under, uh, over win total is 10 and a half. And uh, that you've got, that listen, hit. yeah, listen to the juice. 10 and a half is under, over is minus 250 and under is plus 210. That's why yeah, it's not worth betting. If you, I mean, if you really think Georgia is going to, be very like that good i would just you could there's places you can bet that line at 11 and a half and bet it at like plus 150 to plus 170 for the over um, yeah you're you're way you're much better off you know betting it per game or you know yeah. yeah that's that's juiced to an inch of its life and clearly they don't want that action really you know uh so okay um what's your favorite narrative to bust wide receiver development or like the Georgia doesn't pass the ball and sets and Bennett's not good and they don't develop receivers like the whole your favorite one just the offense in general well the whole passing game narrative I guess you know which there are subsets of that narrative involving different people on the team but Georgia's passing efficiency last year was phenomenal on, on by any metric if you take Georgia's 2021 offense and look at them on a per play basis on a pace adjusted basis on a, you know, even on something as specific as like yards per attempt or yards completion. They, they finished with the fifth most explosive passing offense in power five in Sianka's metric that tracks long yardage pass plays in proportion to total number of attempts. They, you know, I mean, like they did everything that you could want them to. Okay, so I've talked about this before. This is a returning players PFF grades that met a minimum, like um, I think it's twenty five carries for running back, a hundred routes or snaps on defense, and a hundred dropbacks on passers. Um, so Georgia returns the most of any team of seventy plus PFF guys. And that's in the country. In the country, twenty. I didn't know that. Twenty players returning. That's a hot stat. 
so everyone that's talking about oh the, yeah all the defense and all that we lost and stuff yeah they lost but because of the way we dominated last year that a lot of these guys played snaps and debatable on how meaningful one are but when they played and they got graded well um so i i definitely think there will be some fall off because you cannot repeat i don't believe you can repeat the defense defensive output that georgia did last year specifically inside the 40 and inside the red zone um you can see that negative epa that means every time the defense was on the field potentially they were actually adding points to <laughs> the game um i can't but I still think that uh, they're not going to give up f- over f- four and a half yards of play. Um, they're not going to allow above 38% d- defensive success rate. I expect it to be around 35. That's not much of a regression. That's still elite level defense. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and with the schedule they've got, I think that they will ball out once again. And I believe that I would think them to go easily 11 wins easily. I, yeah, I mean, there's, I think 11 wins is kind of the, the worst case scenario for Georgia. Um, when you look at what they return on the offensive line, I think that they are just going to kind of just dominate a lot of games from the line of scrimmage. Um, sounds like the O-line is really gelling and there's a lot of players that are playing well and it sounds like – and news is that Tate is getting healthier. All right, well, why don't you just give away our subscriber-only information on the air, Josh? Jesus. Well, if you want more in-depth information from that <laughs> – I'm totally joking. Dogcentral.com. <laughs> oh, yeah. Out Dog Central. We've got some updates on health. But, yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of guys, like, playing – that have been rotating at guard, and I think they feel good about all of them. Like, that bookend of tackles with Broderick Jones and Warren McClendon is – that might be the best pair of offensive tackles in the country, and it might not even be very close, honestly. Like, both those guys are studs from a college production standpoint and a future NFL draft standpoint. What do you – do? somebody drop it in the chat? It, Craig dropped – he's going to post his story in the chat for the next uh, – so I can upload it during the show. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I think the, the big question, I think, nationally for Georgia is what happens with this defensive front seven? You know, you lose the two inside backers. Well, the three inside backers with Tyndall kind of being that third guy. And you lose the defensive tackles in the middle. And you lose Trevon Walker, who's the number one overall pick, right? And I think – I don't think Georgia is going to play the run as well as they did in 2021. I think it would be almost impossible for them to do so. There's not a there's not a Jordan Davis on this team. When Jamal Jarrett shows up next year, they will have another – uh, one of those types of guys but for right now there's not that 330 plus pound guy in the middle to just occupy double and triple teams but i think that they as a defensive line will probably get to quarterbacks better than they did in 2021 with the front four georgia had to bring extra guys pretty often if they wanted to get QB pressures last year and I think this group will be able to do it with four more often 
Um, I expect Michael Williams to be a household name by the end of September. And I think Ingram Dawkins, Tyron Ingram Dawkins will be right there with him. Um, the, the inside linebackers, I think, is going to be really interesting just because it seems like that battle is still playing out in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of athletes there, but I mean, I think they're all going to see playing time, you know, right? So I don't, I mean, like, not in, no, I don't, I don't think, like, are you talking oh, yeah? like it, like, if you're talking non garbage time, no. Okay. I mean, I think, I think they'll pick three guys and, and those guys will kind of rotate. I don't think that they will, you know, I mean, at, at different points in times, there's been five guys mentioned for those two spots between, Mondon, Dumas Johnson, Jalon Walker, Tresman Marshall, Xavier Sori. Um, so I think that's going to be kind of interesting. Um, we know what Robert Beal and Nolan Smith can do. I think Robert Beal is going to have a like a breakout year. I know you. I think you were on that train as well. Yeah, I mean he's proven himself. He's been there. This is his time. I think. I think Kirby has coached this defense and get these guys when it's their time, they excel. And that's what we've seen the last couple of years. And I expect to see it. And I think that's one of those cases. Uh, I thought it might be the case with William Poole, but it sounds like, can we, Kamari Lasseter might be getting that other cornerback spot opposite Ringo. Yeah. Well, William Poole played that slot corner kind of star position last year, but it sounds like Javon Bullard is maybe. Javon Bullard, okay got an edge in that spot but yeah i mean like dude last week i had somebody say you know and this was over they said over a few days not over the entirety of fall camp but they were like right now kamari lassiter is playing like the best defensive back on the team best cornerback i guess i should say Um, now is it the quick question is that because he's getting balls thrown his way and that ringo is that's part of it for sure dude Yeah. yeah yeah i mean but I would say, like, A.D. Mitchell has had Ringo on his heels the entire fall camp. Like, he can, he cannot guard A.D. Mitchell. Um, Georgia doesn't really have anyone that can guard him right now, which Good for either us. A.D. Mitchell is about to be that dude or – Georgia's defensive backs aren't that good. We'll find well, out, right? Shout out to 100 Sanford. I think you were on yeah. this episode. And, uh, you know – George was talking. Yeah, yeah, Lamar said that, you know, Terrence Edwards said he was special. This was a long time ago. This wasn't just after the catch. You know, this was before last mm-hmm. season. He was talking about how special a kid A.D. Mitchell was. So, um, and and he was a three-star out of Texas. Is that right? You like that? Yeah. You like that? And he was like 20 years old when he got on campus, if I recall correctly. Yeah, so I mean, he was uh, that's what you like to see. Sure. You like to see diamonds in the rough or – Let's see your player analysis come out. I mean, it was also it was tough. It was a COVID and all that so stuff was going on. But um, looking at schedule, which game, it, which game are you predicting is the most trouble? Uh, I think everyone's either pointing to South Carolina early in the season it's on not a hot, South Carolina, I, it's or not. or the trip to Starkville at the end of the year. I mean, are we talking like the game that'll be closest at halftime or are we talking closest margin of victory? Which one scares you the most, I guess, as a potential loss? I think it's Mississippi State because like 
they, you know, I mean, we saw two years ago them go on 11 minute drives against Georgia's defense. And I'm sure Georgia will have some solutions for that this time around that they didn't the last time they played. But I, I still think that it is, it's just a, it's just a tough, like, it's like playing against triple option in a lot of ways, you know, mm-hmm. you, and, you know, like, in a lot of cases, you have to drop eight and rush three, and that can that can really wear your defensive linemen out over the course of a game, and you're asking them to to be relentless, and you know, then you're kind of in a situation where you're asking those back eight to to cover for six or seven seconds, maybe on certain occasions, and a lot can go wrong in that amount of time. So. Yeah, I, I think that's and it. Starkville's just a weird place to play, man. You know, the cowbells are odd, and uh, it's just it's it's a long ass way out there. If you ever been to Starkville, it's 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 a long trip. Um, so yeah, I think that's a weird spot. Uh, if you're saying if the season about, and if the season go. plays out like you were saying, they will have beaten Tennessee and locked up to East. That you know. That could be a trap Probably. game situation too, where they've locked up the East and they got to go to Starkville. Yeah. Know. I mean, I, I think the other interesting part is everyone's talked about like, if I thought Kentucky was actually good, I would be worried about that back to back of going all the way out to Starkville and then going all the way up to Lexington. But I don't think Kentucky's very good. So I don't think it matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's probably the spot, but I don't know. I mean, Tennessee at home, I, like, I don't, I, I think that could just like Tennessee has the ability to stress this defense more than anybody else probably. So that's kind of the interesting one, but I, I mean, what I think truthfully is uh, I think this Georgia offense is going to be the strength of the team. I think that the offense is going to kind of carry things along for the first month or so while some of these young defenders who are very very talented kind of work through maybe some mental mistakes at times you know I, I think like there's going to be some moments where just a guy is in the wrong coverage or takes the wrong man or whatever or, you know doesn't fill the right gap and you never saw that happen last year uh and so i think that's the thing that georgia fans just like just because you see one or two mistakes on defense in a game doesn't mean anybody's playing bad defense. Just what you saw last year was kind of almost impossible, but it happened. Um, yeah. I, I think this could be the number two or three offense by most metrics in country. And I think potentially could yeah. be better than Alabama's. I think Ohio state's probably, uh, you, you know, I just think that offensive line for Alabama is going to lead to a little it's less, shaky. yeah, a little less efficiency. I mean, I think they're going to be good. They're they're not going to have any trouble putting up thirty six a game, thirty seven, thirty eight. You know, I don't think they're going to. You know, maybe they'll put up forty again. But I think Georgia is going to improve there. Like, I mean, that's what I've said. You know, all off season that the offense is going to uh, be potent enough to elite. You know, yeah, potent enough to let the the defense settle in. Um, uh-huh. And I don't want to give any more subscriber secrets away, but if you've listened and read, and if you're not a Dogs Central subscriber, you should because Graham is dropping all kinds of notes and intel that um, the seems like the leadership is starting to step up on the defense, which yeah. was, which sure. was questionable to start pre- fall camp. 
Um, I don't know who which guys are going to be the the leaders like N'Kobe Dean was last year, but there's plenty of guys there. It's a different narrative, certainly being on top, defending a title. And, you know, last year it was run it back. Uh, we want to, you know, prove something. And this year it's these guys probably have something to prove that they don't want to be a defense that let everybody down. So I think I think this defense is going to come in with a with an attitude about that, too, and carrying on a legacy. You know, I think that matters. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I think you're uh, like, you're spot on. I mean, a lot of the, what we're talking about for Georgia, when you're, when you're this good, the deep, like the difference, I don't know, just the, the increments are small between number one and number two or three. Right. And I think a lot of it is like leadership and, and, you know, mentality kind of based as, as you're speaking about. And my personal opinion is that Georgia's defense being so young like i think there's a lot of spots on the field for georgia maybe in 2022 where the most experienced guy isn't the best guy and so all of a sudden you've got younger guys that have to learn how to communicate and step up and take on roles that maybe they weren't expecting to right and sometimes there's friction as young guys you know climb the depth chart or whatever and i can promise you those older guys don't want to give those spots up nor should they um, I, so I, like, I, I was going to say, I like where we have defensive strength and experience between Jalen Carter, Ringo and Nolan Smith, because that those positions right there tell me that sure, they're probably going to be some defensive regression inside the red zone and inside the scoring opportunity places. But I just don't think there's going to be that much because you can get pressure with the front three or front four. You've got guys that can cover. And we know we got guys that can tackle with Christopher Smith. I just, I just, I just don't really see that much of a fall off, even even in that critical area where Georgia was ridiculously good inside the red zone last year. I mean, they're definitely going to not allow you know nine points a game they did last year, but this is not going to be a eighteen, nineteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen points per game allowed defense. Yeah, and I, I think the other spot that maybe you know i mean we don't talk about this nearly enough in the off season but when it comes to functionally how just how games work and how games flow uh georgia's opponents last year started 91% of drives with either at the 25 or inside the 25 so you're talking about long fields all year. Uh, I think Brett Thorson has got a big leg at punter, and I've heard good things about him in camp, but I think the kickoff team has been a little shaky, and there's some other special teams things that have been a little bit shaky, and I think that's truthfully something to watch just because, like, Camarda was so good last year with the punts, and did he do kickoffs as well? I think he did kickoffs as well, but, I mean, they were just so, like, like nobody was starting drives in Georgia territory last year. I think, and Pod, had... I, think, I think Pod did the kicks. Okay. Well, whoever did it, did a good job, but yeah. Um, Bennett only had seven interceptions, right? Like very, I mean, maybe a couple fumbles all year as a team, like just Georgia did not have to like the offense wasn't having to play against long fields and the defense wasn't having to play against short fields. And that, but they took advantage of all of it. It's not like it. It's not like I know, those. I it's, know, and but that was, saying, but, like, yeah, I know we're we're splitting hairs, but it's like we were destroying teams. 
you know, yeah. and it's and it's not like there was one win like oh that could have gone either way. The only the only no. rem- the only remotely close game, and if you really want to snip out the end of the second quarter, that you know at Florida, that but still it just the better team won. It was never in doubt, you know. Yeah, it, you know, and and I just. Yes. I mean, it's, we're saying the same thing. It's like what you're saying is the same thing. Yes. We were elite in so many facets of the game last year and it's ridiculous and un, and unreasonable to expect to continue, you know, dominating every single facet of the game, but Georgia's got players that maybe, you know, and again, the special teams still feels like a youth thing to me. You know, there's where a lot of guys get opportunities to get on the field and there are a lot of guys, mm-hmm. you know, so I think again, you know, the special teams might be shaky to start, but, Come October, I think it's going to be all shook out. Not a complete Homer fanboy, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, I guess all I was going to say is just like at me. I don't know. I think uh, I think it just might change something. Like I I think that Georgia is not going to, from a game state standpoint in twenty twenty one, Georgia just was never in danger. I mean, and and as good like we just talked about how great the offense was, and they were great but they rarely, if ever, had to play under pressure outside of, like, Knoxville and late in that second quarter in Jacksonville and then obviously in Indianapolis. But, like, you know, three out of 15 games were they ever really looked at and it was like, okay, like, you guys, we need to drive right now, you know. And to their credit, all except for in Atlanta, they delivered those drives when they needed them. And, I, you know, I mean, I – Georgia gave up 34 points on defense to Alabama and Atlanta like that. That was very different than what they did all year. So I, I still don't understand why people kind of blame the offense for that loss the way they do, but different conversation, I guess point being, uh, yeah. I mean, I, there's, if you go game by game, Georgia should go 12 and out. Like there's really no question about that. The strength of schedule is only 44th in the country. It's an easy schedule. It's kind of a boring schedule in certain spots. Um, That's, you know, I still think that the Tennessee game looks like to be one to circle. If you're, you know, Tennessee and, and is one to circle, it's going to be a big game. It's going to be exciting. Glad we're, glad we're at home. Yeah. I agree with all that. Yeah. Um, but I guess long story short, like, I don't know. I think that they should go 12 and 0. Last year, I, I said the same thing this time of year. I was like, I think Georgia should go 12-0, and 0, but, like, almost on principle, I kind of want to say 11-1 and 1 just because it's really hard to go, like, just to be perfect every week and to never have an off week. Um, you know, but, yeah, like, looking at the schedule, you go game by game, and, like, what's the game that Georgia's going to – like, this Oregon game might be the – I, I might still... be the tightest spread that they have. No, 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 no. There's no way that Florida is going to be 18 plus. Buddy, it was 21 something. It was 21 and a half last year or something like that. <laughs> I mean, Florida's, I'm a, Florida's a six and six team, dude. Okay, it's that's up. fine. I mean, like you, you can tell. Like, maybe Tennessee. Maybe Tennessee. I, I went to I went to Georgia in our worst four years of football in the last fifty years. So well, that like, doesn't have anything to do with this. It team. does. It does something to do with the psyche. We you've already written. Has to do with your psyche, but not with this team. <laughs> I'm not denying that. I mean, I'm just saying, like Oregon. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll see. Oregon's a top ten or top twelve preseason team. Georgia's favored by eighteen points. That 
like that is wild that's yeah. kind of alarming in a way but like yeah like, man i like I, I think you know the 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 seismic shift from where this program it was you know 2017 when we went to the championship game and had a chance to win it in overtime and where we went from there till and leaving tuscaloosa in 2020 is pretty pretty freaking awesome dude you, you know like, i'm sorry i'm confused like you know we kind of regressed and then you know the, the fan base was i mean in a rough spot after getting blown out uh against alabama in 2020 and then just to be right now like you just said against the top 12 team 18 point favorites in a neutral new neutral game or whatever against a pac 12 potential champion is pretty damn cool yeah i mean Georgia, like it's different they won that they finally got over that hump um but yeah i don't know i mean aaron's asking uh, he said if we worried about florida uh, oregon we're not worried about it but we're still not taking we're not laying the points i wouldn't take it oh i might lay the points I might lay the points i might lay the points i'm not ready to pick the oregon game yet but there's a few things there that I'm starting to see where I'm like, oh, that's why they're 18 point favorites. Um, well, we'll be talking about that next week because we're doing our first film preview show. So yes, if you, sir. Uh, please subscribe, rate, share, download all those things. Join dogcentral.com. We're working on all kinds of stuff there uh, for making it as interactive with you guys, the subscribers and fans as we can. We'll be doing this on Twitter and YouTube all season long, three minimum three shows a week, not even counting Lamar and Trey and George uh, doing uh, Hunter Sanford and uh, Jim and John doing my God, a podcast and John Smith. We've got, it's, you know, we're cranking stuff. There's a lot of content. Yeah. Yeah. Jason and uh, and Dustin and all of that good stuff. And all Um, these stats and all the schedule you've seen today and on all our preview shows are available subscribers in the forum. You can download a 200 page PDF of all the stats have compiled. It's got depth charts and all and PFF grades, all kinds of stuff. So um, please jump in the forum and you can find me in there. If you can't find it, I'll send you a link or whatever. And uh, Josh, before we go. Yes, sir. Call your shot. It's Georgia college football playoff team in 2021. Uh, yes. I yeah. agree. I think, I, I think agree. they go, I, I think, I think 13 and 0 and SEC. You champion. think they, okay. So you think they beat Bama and Atlanta? I think they beat Bama and Atlanta. There's you know what? Shot. I agree with you. Yeah. I don't know if they're 13 and 0, but I think they beat them in Atlanta. I think they might I think they might reverse what they did last year though. Like I think they may see the Bama rematch again. I don't I think I think I think uh, I don't know. But I think that I do I am sorry. What I, if I, what if the what if the whole like pendulum is swung mentally and like like Nick Saban's going to just get so frustrated after losing to Georgia like four straight times that he, you know, like slaps a sideline reporter and t- retires on spot. It could happen. He's old, man. He's getting old and grouchy. Bubba Jean saying we're winning the tailgate, and t- we should also talk about that tailgating. Uh, yes. So, uh, if you are a subscriber to Dog Central, keep your eyes peeled. I am going to drop a code on Twitter later today, uh, and you you can basically reach out to me. Uh, we have some free entries to give away to the uh, 
Players Lounge slash Classic City Collective slash BMW of Atlanta uh, kickoff tailgate next Saturday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. before Georgia, before Dogs versus Ducks. Uh, we are going to be broadcasting live uh, kind of that morning into the early part of the tailgate. Uh, myself and Josh and, and John Smith. And uh, I don't know, I think I think John and Jim may, may stop by and hang out at some point as well. But yeah, come on, check it out. It's going to be a big fun event. If you are a member of the Players Lounge, you're one of the NFT holders. Uh, you're, you're already in and you get in for free. But everyone else, you can get in for free if you follow me on Twitter and you are, you know, doing all the right stuff. So we'll put all that stuff out later today. Sorry, a little nice. confused. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. We'll get it straight. Stay tuned. Follow Graham at Dog Out West. Follow me at Dog underscore Stats. Um, and uh, please stay tuned for more, man. And then tomorrow night, Ask Dog Central, 8 p.m., question mark? To be determined. Probably 7 <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we're trying yeah, we're trying to get that a little earlier so uh in in the evening. So we'll uh, we'll be that on Twitter. But tomorrow afternoon, if you don't catch it live, uh tomorrow evening if you don't catch it live, it'll be on the pod shortly thereafter. All right, with that, thanks, Graham. Season's here. Thanks, Josh. Go dogs. Yes, it is. <laughs>